You're listening to the Roaring Repeater Podcast on 7220sports.com. Here's Cody. Here's a phrase I never, ever in a million years thought I'd be saying in mid-April. Is it college basketball season yet? Welcome to the Roaring Repeater Podcast. I am your host, Cody Tucker. Joined in studio in downtown Cheyenne today by Ryan Thorburn of the Casper Star Tribune. <laughs> We're talking college basketball right now, Ryan. I thought I thought that was wrapped up. Well, first of all, Cody, uh, <laughs> thanks for hap- having me. Uh, nice studio. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to blow over from Laramie and looking forward to trying to get back over there somehow <laughs> through this hurricane. But yeah, you're right. I mean... Uh, it's crazy what has happened to this program. You know, I returned to Casper, uh, after working there in the nineties from Oregon this season and uh, my timing couldn't have been better from, <laughs> from everything I read about the Alan Edwards era. It was not great, not fun, no, no hope, that sort of thing. And now, uh, Jeff Linder not only is taking a lot of those core players and, and his, First recruiting class from COVID to the NCAA tournament. Now he's adding three Pac-12 transfers who were no. really touted recruits, high-end recruits. So, and the the other guys aren't leaving yet. So <laughs> right. uh, that's yeah. pretty exciting for for next season. And I was trying to think of a team that in Wyoming history that has had more depth than this quality depth. And I think you have to go back to maybe uh, early McLean, maybe the. McLean, maybe even the Dembo era. I mean, yeah. you look at some of their role players. Uh, they had some really good role players, you know, John Summers and the like. And obviously, they had two top thirty NBA picks leading the way. So I think you got to go back maybe to to that level. Right. Certainly to the Josh Davis era. Yeah. You know what's been incredible about Jeff Linder too is uh, when he first came in, he said, "I want to keep these four these four guys: Marble, Foster, Maldonado, Thompson." He lost the guys that. He wanted to lose. He's done that again. He's lost. He's kept all the right ones, and and that's no offense to the guys who left, but he's kept all the right ones who have been making plays and who this team, who this program really revolves around. And now he's adding these unbelievable pieces, kind of like during COVID, his first year here. I mean, he literally signed on the dotted line, and then COVID hit and shut down the world, and all he did was land the number one recruiting class in the Mountain West Conference. I mean, this guy's special. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's Eric Musselman 2.0 in the Mountain West, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and you look yeah. at what Musselman is doing right now at Arkansas, and I've heard talk that they might be the number one team in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Wyoming fans are obviously familiar with what he did at at Nevada. Yeah. And uh, you look at those. What were the name of those twin players they had that he got from North Carolina State? Oh yeah. Uh but anyway, those two guys are killing it in the NBA right now. Like they are solid NBA players. And when he brought them in from North Carolina State, they were they did nothing at North Carolina State. They mm-hmm. were not considered good ACC players. He, you know, brought them to Nevada, developed them and now look and and I I bring that up because these three guys that Wyoming just signed two from USC, one from UCLA. Now they did they weren't the star players on those teams obviously. They were role players. Maybe they were disappointed in, in how limited those roles were, but these are high-end recruits. And when you look at Linder's system and you look at what he did with Marcus Williams, who was only recruited initially by Northern Colorado, right? you know, you throw Ethan Anderson, who was recruited by everyone into that same system or, uh, you know, that's pretty exciting. I'm sure for those guys and for Wyoming fans, and I'm sure that's why they, they came here. I'm sure... Yep. You know, that's the explanation, right? Yeah. And they all played AAU together in LA. And of course, you're talking about Ethan Anderson, a point guard from USC, Max Ogbong Polo, a uh, high flying forward out of USC, uh, who was, I believe, the number five recruit in the state of California coming out. And by the way, we don't ever think about when it comes to California college basketball, USC is kind of an afterthought, especially in the same city with UCLA. That was the number one recruiting class in the country. That yeah. USC put together that year. Yeah, he was a top 60 national recruit yeah. at all positions. So, <laughs> Pretty the, good. You know, how many Wyoming recruits are top 100 recruits, let alone top 60? So, uh, you know, that's exciting. And then uh, Jake Kamen from UCLA. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've watched any of his highlights, the guy can flat out shoot threes, and he's 6'7". So, you know, Ethan Anderson is a true point guard. Yeah. Who is known for his leadership and defense and yeah. distributing the basketball. Had a C on his chest in, 
in L.A. And then this Max Agmanpolo guy is probably the most intriguing just because of that talent level. You think he's like Jeremiah Odin-esque, but more polished, I assume? I think so. You know, both those guys seem to have developed on the perimeter. You know, Jeremiah Odin kind of surprised me last season, you know, my first year covering him, that he was able to knock down threes pretty well. He was, yeah. And then obviously we want to see more of those baseline attacks where he just is a monster. Uh, so We didn't see enough of those. So now you have Jeremiah Odin is going to have to fight for that starting job like crazy to, yeah. to maintain it, you know, with uh, with Max. So What a great problem to have. What a problem to have. And I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, just to give some of your listeners background, the last eight years I was in Oregon covering Oregon football and – uh, a lot of Oregon women's basketball, some Oregon men's basketball. So I'm used to the transfer portal. And, you know, I remember Dana Altman, once Oregon women's basketball started taking off and getting five-star recruits and some of their girls left and their coach was so frustrated, obviously. <laughs> yeah. and, and Dana Altman told him, don't take it personally. This is what it is now. Right. You know, these five-star recruits, some of them are going to pan out. Some of them are not going to like it, and they're going to go somewhere else. Don't take it personally. Go for the next one. And I think what Wyoming fans are probably starting to embrace now, at least in basketball, and we could talk about football later, is, you know, I just noticed on social media when Ding Dutt left, you know, when Bowen left – uh, when the kid from Ireland left, Sky people were like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. what you don't know, and you know, I don't think Jeff Linder is going to say on the record, but did Jeff Linder say, guys, you're not playing at Wyoming. Yeah, We'll honor your scholarship, and you can stay here as long as you want, but you're not playing, you know, and that should be obvious to you from last year's practices and the fact that you didn't crack the lineup at all. Right. And then I, I just, I mean, we can't talk to Linder about these three guys until they've officially signed right. uh, per NCAA rules. But I wonder, you know, after maybe he told those guys or maybe they figured it out on their own and he never said something like that to them. We don't know yet. But did he know those three scholarships? He was going to specifically target these three friends, these three Los Angeles guys, these three power five recruits as a as a package deal right because if he did that's just genius because obviously it worked yeah no question and i think you're dead on we talked about it last week i fans automatically think that oh you're already giving up on the program geez you didn't even play how many times this year ryan did we hear jeff lender talk about how badly graham ek was punishing owen nelson in practice Absolutely. Even said the poor guy, you can't even get a shot off, and Graham just works him all the time, and that's just who's that benefiting? But I'll bet you, Jeff, I'll bet you're dead on, and I'll bet you, Jeff said, hey, you're not going to play here in the nicest way possible, but let's facilitate maybe trying to get you somewhere. You deserve to play. We saw Owen Nelson come out after numerous games last year all by himself, put on the boom box, and work on his game. It wasn't for lack of trying. He just maybe isn't at this level. And we saw the level the Mountain West Conference was at this year. We saw the level of Indiana's big man. I mean, that's what that's what it takes to get to the Sweet 16 and do some special things. Were those four guys going to get Wyoming over the hump? Yeah, I mean, you wonder about Bowen just because of his uh, genealogy with his sure, dad being sure. an NBA player and him being a front-range guy and having some, some height. You wonder, you know... Does he just want to play somewhere else right away or, or and not be as quite as patient? You wonder about that one, but I mean Jeff gave Ding Dutt uh, you know, an opportunity to, to be the point guard early in the season and he did. it was clear that Hunter Maldonado, a forward, was gonna be the guy there because he was at a totally different level. And necessity. Ding and Ding Dutt put up great stats in junior college, but there's you know, not all junior college guys pop at the next level, especially right mentioned away. that how many times this year? And it seemed like now, you know, we had the Zooms and stuff, and I can't wait to not have the Zooms. <laughs> uh, but it seemed like, you know, on Zooms and just everything, that, that Ding Duck was a great guy. Uh, you know, obviously, Bowen never factored in, but, you know, seemed like a great guy. These guys weren't run off, I don't think, in a, in a, in a negative way. No, I think I it was either. more of along the lines of, Guys, you can go somewhere else maybe and play or stick it out. But, you know, the transfer portal is good and bad. I think that's what people have to realize. Should you be upset when Marcus Williams leaves after being the freshman of the year? Absolutely. 
but it is what is it it is and you got to let guys make what Wyoming fans view as good choices in terms of these Pac-12 guys or bad choices uh like Marcus Williams did. Yeah, no question, man. Um and the other thing that I think a lot of fans and I don't want to say uneducated fans, but I want to say fans that finally came back to this program this year. That's not what Jeff Linder's offense looks like. What right. you saw this year. That was a necessity. That was playing to his strengths because they lost Marcus Williams. The whole offense went through that guy. Now with Ethan Anderson, you like to think that this is going to look like a real Jeff Linder offense, which scores in the 80s and plays lockdown defense. And really, these three guys they're bringing from the Pac-12 are known for their defensive, the defensive side of the ball, too, and the way they play on that end. I'm fascinated to know, assuming Maldo comes back, what his role is on this team after being the point guard last year. Because yeah. clearly Ethan Anderson is going to be the point guard. And I'm sure Noah Reynolds is sitting there. You know, what does Linder say about him? He has irrational Fearless. confidence. Yeah. I'm sure he's saying, wait a minute, I'm going to beat Ethan Anderson now, which is what you want. It's like the Odin situation with, with Max. I'm going to call him Max just so yeah, I don't yeah. butcher Good his call. name Good until call. I memorize it. But, <laughs> so you've got great competition now at the point. You've got it at, at the small forward. Uh, I still don't know, like you were talking about, who is going to push EK in practice. Uh, you know, they don't really have a, a guy like EK. I don't think many teams do, though. Um, but where does Maldo fit in now if he's not the point guard? Does well, and is he, EK, EK going to get doubled the way yeah. he did this year with all those all that additional firepower and firepower coming off the bench? Do do Ethan Anderson and Noah Reynolds work with EK on a pick and roll all summer? Yeah. Uh, if they do, that seems unstoppable. If if uh, you know if if Max is hitting threes and and you know X is hitting threes, where is Maldonado? Wide open or does? Are there certain possessions where he gets the ball in the wing and backs guys down like he did last year? Uh, my guess is if Maldo comes back, the NBA is going to tell him, you need to be a really good three-point shooter mm-hmm. to have a shot because it's a three-point league, and you need to figure out who you can guard at this level. So Maldo's got some things to work on. What if Maldo's a three-point shooter as well yeah. with the back-down game? I mean, I can't wait to ask Linder about his philosophy uh, his strategy with some of these guys, the mismatches. Now that you're ten deep, do you go full court at altitude or do hockey substitutions? No. I mean, it's going to be it's <laughs> going to be a good problems for Linder to dissect. The thing I love this year, and I'm sure you remember Linder talking about this because to me it stood out completely. Was when he talked about, hey, you know, my offense is whatever it takes to beat that team this week. Something that in football we don't see very often, and that's why it stuck out to me so much. Hey, we're playing San Jose State. We're going to boat race them, but then we're going to turn around and play San Diego State in the quarterfinals in Las Vegas. We can't run with that team, so we're going to slow it way down. We're not going to get a shot off till there's five seconds or less less left on the shot clock. They damn near pull off that upset. Um, to me, I think you, like you're talking about all these different options. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see portions of games, or depending on what the matchup is at the point guard spot, Maldo doing exactly what he did this year, but not having to rely on it twenty four seven. But use it as a strength, like, hey, their guard's six foot tall. Maldo's going to back this clown down all day long. And that's what today's game plan is. And that's that's what I love about Linder. I love that he's just, he's not stuck in, this isn't the Jeff Linder offense and we're going to run it. It's, this is what it's going to take to beat this team tonight. And what did we see after they got ranked 22nd? To me, it seemed like they kind of ran out of gas. Yeah. They still did enough to make the NCAA tournament. They beat Fresno. In that dramatic oh. game to get in. They beat UNLV in Vegas in another dramatic game to get in, to, to squeak in. <laughs> yeah. But they ran out of gas down the most important time of the year. And these three additions add so much depth that that's not going to happen. You're not going to have the tight schedule that COVID created with the, with the postponements. Yes. So I think part of this is we needed more depth. Now we have high-quality depth. And we need to peak in March, not in February. I think that's that's an off-season priority for these guys. Well, they they were one of the youngest rosters in America. Now they're not. These guys have played in Final Four. Jake, Jake Hyman has played in the Final Four. The other two have played in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. So everybody on this roster, for the most part, aside from what Nate Barnhart and Noah Reynolds never got in the game uh, in Dayton, but everybody has played in the NCAA tournament on this team now. 
They've played meaningful games. They went from very young to very old really quick. And what does Jeff Linder always say? Teams that win in March are old. And that's going to be the trick in college basketball now for mid-majors is to get old. How is that going to happen? Well, Maldo's uh, age will probably help the median there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He's BYU-esque. I mean, <laughs> I went I went to school in Laramie. I was there four years. Maldo's going to be there six years, we <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah. Uh, so that helps. Uh, you know, EK is still a young junior, but he's, yeah. he is a junior, and he's he's gone through – the grind now of a Mountain West schedule. And, uh, you know, these three guys coming in, they were on some of the more talented rosters in the country. And, uh, you know, you look at USC with the Mobley brothers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Max is not going to be afraid of the competition with Jeremiah, I can tell you that. Yeah. And, and I don't think Jeremiah was going to shy away after the progress he made. So that, that's going to help immensely that these guys are used to being around talent, and now, you know, they're going to help lead – Wyoming's existing talent forward. I think that's uh, that's huge. What are your thoughts on, uh, I don't want to say what happened to him, but on what happened to EK late in the season? Tired? I think he was tired, and I think uh, I think Mountain West defenses kind of figured him out. Uh, you know, his repertoire was somewhat limited. I mean, we can see the talent there, but you look at that Indiana game, he had – really good post players beat a number of times and he's just not dunking the ball or finishing he's a little hesitant making an extra move that's not necessary and they get the block or whatever that's why you know and Ethan Anderson is used to playing with the Mobley brothers and, and what do they do they hit threes as bigs and then they also get a lot of lob dunks mm-hmm. so I'm wondering with true point guards now maybe taking over for Maldo if we'll see more of the pick and roll and the lob dunks and you know is EK going to get work on his explosiveness this off season and finish stronger? Yeah, and maybe develop more of a you know a mid range game. Um, I, I happened to sit next to an NBA scout uh, during the Fresno game. It was obviously there for Orlando Robinson, and I said, "What does EK need to do to get to the NBA? Does he have to hit threes? And the guy said, "No, he just needs to be more consistent. Mm-hmm. Like he's trending in a great direction, but he needs." To, to be more consistent. And, and another thing you need to be in the NBA, like Larry Nance Jr., is you need to be a freak of an athlete. Yeah. Uh, either be freaky long like Nance or uh, freaky skilled like uh, uh, Booker in Phoenix. Um, but EK has freaky hands, freaky wingspan, and he just needs to v- keep developing, and I think he could get to the NBA someday. Is it unfair of us to be that harsh on Graham, because, I mean, like you said, he went through his first Mountain West gauntlet, um, came off a knee injury, obviously a a serious knee injury. He told me in an interview that his knees were never right in high school in the first place. He said he always had a lot of pain, and he only played 12 games his first year. You got to see glimpses, and and he's the one who showed us. You do have a 30-point night, and you go, wow, this guy's really good, but he was just hammered all the time, double teamed all the time. I thought late the shots were there. They just absolutely weren't falling. But when you have two guys draped on you 24-7, and now we, the more you think about it, didn't have a lot of uh, you know resistance in practice from what we understand. I mean, are we being a little too harsh on this kid? I mean, he's still super young. I mean, he has, he's ju- going to be a junior, but he has three years left if he chooses to use those three years in Laramie. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think he's only 20, right? Yeah, he's gonna, young. Yeah, he's still really young. And, you know, I, he the youth kind of showed to me a little bit that he was getting frustrated with officiating. Yes. And, you know, I think everyone is that watches the Mountain West closely. There were some games where he would get two phantom charge calls against him in the first few minutes. You know, the Air Force game, I think Utah was a State. Joke. Uh, and then there's other games where they're letting guys just hammer him and maybe even vice versa. And it's like, okay, which is it? Yeah. Can I run over Menza or can he, you know, are you going to call the ticky tack if I try to go at Menza or are you going to let him body me? I mean, so I think there was an adjustment there to the officiating this year. This was his full first full season, probably since his junior year of high school. And, And as we know, high school seasons aren't nearly as, as punishing as, as the Mountain West season. So, you know, I think uh, with the addition of these three guys and the return of that core, 
it's going to be hard for teams to to double him, and there's not a lot of Nathan Menzas out there. So right. I think he's going to keep keep growing, and and less could be more for Maldo or Ike. What if they play 30 minutes a game instead of 38 minutes a game, and then in March they're they're still fresh. Sure. So uh, I think that's another way to look at it. Maybe their stats come down, but their uh, efficiency is is much better. Something I keep asking Ryan, and and I would love to ask Linder about this one day, is do you think he regrets not taking Maldo out for a couple of minutes in Dayton? Just a couple of minutes. And just saying, let Noah go in. Because Jeff told us after the game, the shots were there. Everything we wanted to do was available to us. He just started going too fast. Do you think he, in hindsight, wishes he would have sat him down for a second? Absolutely. I mean, you could see, I mean, we were there courtside. And and for those who weren't there, and there was a small contingent of loyal Wyoming fans there. It was a road game. It oh, was yeah. a Big Ten road game against a team in Indiana that underachieved all season, but was uber talented and peaking. You know, at the end of the Big Ten season, and two so, hours from home. So you know, people that are frustrated. I mean, the atmosphere there was it was a true road game. Felt like yes. So that's one thing, and being in that true road game against a Big Ten team with. But, you know, what did we see in the Mountain West? Most guys were undersized trying to guard Maldo when he's playing point guard. That wasn't the case at Indiana. And their defense is, is their strength. And they were speeding him up, and he had 10 turnovers, and he had a missed dunk. And if you cut those turnovers in half, if you make that dunk, if you settle down a little bit, despite playing really a bad game in general, I'm talking about Wyoming as a team, they were still in that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, Indiana was not a great team. No. Their so, shooting was atrocious. Yeah, if Wyoming played like they did in early February, they would they wouldn't. First of all, if they played like that down the stretch, they wouldn't have been the first four. But even if they could have recaptured that, they would have beat Indiana. So yeah. I think it, it's a valuable learning experience for Maldo. But you know, one of my friends who is a pretty astute observer was was there, and like the, one of the first things he texted me after the game was like, "Is there something wrong with Noah?" I was like, "No, he just." Linder did choose just to go ride Maldo in the experience, and 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 I think he probably does regret that to some degree. Have you noticed? Uh, well, first of all, I saw you tweeted out uh, after these signings that Wyoming could possibly be a top twenty-five team heading into next year. You really think that's the case? I do. I San Diego State also has a nice transfer coming in, and they always reload, and and they always have power five guys waiting in the wings, but. So it'll be interesting to see if the media votes them number one or mm-hmm. Wyoming in the Mountain West preseason. I think CSU still has time to reshuffle, and if Roddy comes back, obviously that changes. And CSU, for those that don't know, lost Kendall Moore yesterday. Yes. Uh, big loss. And Kids their quick. fans are panicked. Yeah, Their fans are panicked. Like, That's what I was going to ask you about. Like Wyoming's were when those th- you know, three guys and Drake left. <laughs> These guys are panicked, and, you know, I think what their coach is Nico Medved is probably thinking like, what's the rush? There's a thousand guys in there. I'm gonna go through all the film and figure out which two or three guys we need. And you know, I think Linder, who's a film addict, probably had his film study already and, and targeted those three LA guys. It'll be fun to ask about the package deal situation. So he was just out in front of it, and CSU's, you know, Kendall Moore just left yesterday. So. So if, if they reload with a couple nice transfers and Roddy comes back, they'll be in the mix. But, yeah, usually one or two Mountain West teams are at the bottom of the preseason top 25. And I think nationally, you know, you look at Rothstein and, and, and some of these national writers, they know who these UCLA and USC guys are because they're touted recruits and they know who Maldo and EK are. So yeah. you mesh that together and there's just not a lot of teams – west of the Mississippi that have something like that. I think they will have a shot at being ranked in the AP preseason top 25. Uh, you, you touched on it here. CSU fans are panicking a little bit. I couldn't help but notice the San Diego State fans were trolling in full effect as well, and Boise State fans were going, hey, Leon, what are we doing here, man? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a good feeling. I mean, you don't you don't get that very often with the Cowboys, especially in hoops, where the big dogs are the ones who are now worried about you. Yeah, and it seemed like we were talking about at the beginning, it seemed like for years Wyoming was kind of irrelevant in the Mountain West from, you know, maybe the time that Shyatt retired mm-hmm. and and Nance and Josh Adams left. You know, there's that five-year window where 
You know, I, I know they had, uh, who's the kid who got drafted by Sacramento? Justin James. Yeah, they had, you know, Justin James. It was kind of a lost era for Justin. But to go from being irrelevant to hiring a guy during a pandemic and now being, you know, potentially a top 25 team and a Mountain West favorite is an amazing rise. If you think about it, Linder's only been on the job for, what, 25 months? Yeah. So uh, quite a turnaround. And I think Wyoming fans who are older, who saw Dembo and saw, you know, uh, the Marcus Bailey Mm -hmm. era and stuff like that, know that this can be a special job and a special place for pockets of time. And, uh, you know, you got to credit Linder, uh, a front-range guy, for for realizing that as well and, and turning it around. When you talk about Linder's genius, something else that you know I want to throw out there is that Marcus Williams, Graham E.K., you alluded to it a little bit. Those two, Xavier Ducell, those guys were going to play at Northern Colorado. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that guy could bring them to Northern Colorado, which has a gym that makes Moby look like the Taj Mahal. Nobody supports that program, which is unfortunate, but they don't. And he, those guys could have been playing ball in Greeley, Colorado. That's yeah, absolutely. Incredible. I mean, I've spent way too much time in in Greeley. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know my background, I used to cover the Broncos for the Boulder camera uh, from 2000 to 2007. And that was back when they <laughs> training camped in Greeley. So uh, Greeley is a great place to be from. I don't think it's a great place <laughs> to be. And the fact that he was building – Really, a, I guess you would call it a mid-major powerhouse there. Mm-hmm. If they could have kept him, you know, for five to ten years, it's pretty impressive. And you know, the other thing when you talk about the portal, and you talk about those guys you just mentioned, obviously this guy is a great evaluator of talent. Yes, uh, nobody was recruiting um, Marcus Williams in Texas. He had to come to Wyoming and play for Linder for one year, and then oh, now at Texas A and M wants to. To bring the guy down. And, and that's going to be the hard part. Give him a bag yeah. or whatever they did. I hope <laughs> yeah. he enjoyed it because he's obviously not there anymore. But look at Brendan Wenzel. I mean, we already have evidence of what a Pac-12 transfer can do. And Wenzel didn't sniff playing for Utah. No. I mean, he was miserable. You know, from talking to him, it sounds like, you know, obviously what Wyoming had him at was a, you know, big, big off guard. And Utah was trying to make him bulk up and be a forward. Yeah, no. So Linder can evaluate. You know, I, I don't think anyone in Utah said, oh, Wenzel's going to be a great Mountain West player when he left Utah. I mean, so it, it's evaluating the talent and then finding how they fit in, in Linder's system. It's, it's, it's something I think uh, is pretty remarkable. And, no, and speaking of Wenzel, I mean, just because you're a Pac-12 guy coming in too, Linder was tough on Wenzel. Really tough on him. He was like, you need to lose weight or you're never going to see the court. And Wenzel did it. I mean, he Jeff's one of those dudes, too. He's not bringing in these guys and kowtowing to them, that's for sure. So they're coming in here to play, and they're coming in here to work, and they're just going to fall in line. And uh, you mentioned uh, if, if UNC could have kept him around for five to ten years, he wrote a story this week about Jeff Linder's new contract. Can you kind of talk to us about the details of that and – you know, obviously the main question is, you know, how long is he going to be around? And what's what's the buyout for the Cowboys once he eventually does go somewhere else? Yeah, obviously uh, when Wyoming puts out the release, I was surprised they even mentioned that he was going to get I was a too. bump up to uh, 700000 in guaranteed compensation this year. But usually when teams put out the release, they just say, you know, it's a five-year thing and we've got – Jeff until 2027 or whatever it is, (laughs) but they don't give the details. So you have to make a a public records request and and then eventually they, they give you the contract and you know, it's a pretty hefty raise. It's a, you know, it's about a 28% raise Mm -hmm. from last year to this year, just in base salary. And then, you know, he's has a lot of realistic uh, bonuses in there, you know, coach of the year is a big bonus. Making the NCAA tournament is uh, a month's salary, those type of things. Mm-hmm. But what I was interested in and what, you know, I think is the most interesting thing about this is uh, his buyout. Uh, if he were to leave before March 15th, 2023, you know, he would owe the remainder of the contract, uh, of the guaranteed portion of the contract. 
which is, you know, 3.2-ish million dollars. That's a nice chunk of change. Now, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, Alabama or some team that wants to invest in basketball can't afford that, but it's a big chunk of change, and that would obviously pay for Wyoming's next coach. But at March 15th, he should be in the NCAA tournament getting ready for a game. So the interesting thing is uh, on March 16th of, of this upcoming season, it drops to 50%. So basically what this contract means is Wyoming and Linder agreed that he's going to be here for one more season. And that doesn't mean he's leaving. Right. Doesn't mean he's not leaving. It just means that Berman and him are like, okay, you're coming back next year, right? And he's like, yep. And, and I don't want to be stuck here if the right opportunity comes. Sure. And the other note in that that's interesting to me is if he goes to the NBA, there is no buyout. Really? And, you know, I had heard that uh, one of the former Nuggets general managers and George Carl actually came to a practice this year, a Wyoming practice. Well, probably Bowen. Uh, probably uh, Bowen's dad. Yeah, that's probably how it started. And then uh, that they were pretty blown away by this guy's IQ, a basketball <laughs> IQ. So, you know, I think not only will he be on Power 5 radars in the years to come, he'll be in NBA radars. That's a good point. And, uh so it's just interesting. I mean, just enjoy the ride. I mean, yeah. it doesn't mean he's leaving on March 16th, 2023. It just means that that buyout will go down to, you know, one point whatever million. And, you know, that's, you know, something Power 5 teams aren't going to be scoffing at if they want him and he wants to go there. So uh, just enjoy it, man. I mean, you look at Tom Berman, obviously he made, you know, some bad hires in basketball before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Schroyer was his first hire, right? Yep. I mean, that was a mistake. <laughs> but he uh-huh. made up for it by getting Larry Shiat to come back mm-hmm. and rebuild and establish. And then he made a mistake with Edwards. Um, and then you look at what's happening on the women's program with Heather Azil taking over for uh, Mattinson, who took over for Ligursky. Uh, You know, from what I've heard, Kent DeWeese is a pretty sharp yes. coach that teams are starting to be aware of. You know, as Linder became, people became aware of Linder when he was on Boise State staff. Same with Steve Smiley, who stayed at UNC. So, will Berman have a nice succession plan there where DeWeese is the next guy? Maybe you can keep Wicks and you can keep Vandiver and keep it rolling. You know, maybe that's, that's something to think about too. But for now, just enjoy it until, you know... All indications are Linder and the Cowboys are still going to be pretty busy on March 16th, 2023. That's true. Uh, and, you know, Linder's obviously a smart businessman, too. The, he knows the ball's in his court. Uh, the contract was on his desk in January. Yeah. And we talked to Tom Berman in Dayton and said, w- w- what is going on? When are you going to extend this guy? And he said, hey, it's it's not a, it's not us. So Linder obviously knew. I mean, he he didn't know who might call. Say they beat Indiana. Say they win the next game. Say they beat St. Mary's. Who knows? <laughs> you know, but like you said, you, you put it perfectly. Enjoy it. You can't worry about stuff that hasn't happened. You have no idea. And, you know, so I see so many people that are unhappy with Craig Bowl. He's been here nine years. He's now the longest tenured coach in Wyoming history. Lloyd Eaton was here for eight years. And now Craig Bowl is the longest tenured. So those of you that don't like Craig Bowl and aren't happy with Craig Bowl, do you want a guy here for that long? I mean, I don't know. I mean... I've, I've always said this, Ryan, you, and I was guilty of it. you got to stop looking at Stepping Stone U as like the worst thing on planet Earth. Enjoy the good stuff. And then look at – I always go back to Utah, for instance, and to me they have a golden horseshoe up their ass. They had Urban Meyer, and what he did was incredible. But then they turned it over to Kyle Whittingham, and then they got a bunch of money for the Olympics and upgraded all their stuff. They kept winning. They were a middling, middle-of-the-road whack team all those years. Then all of a sudden they got hot. Next thing you know, the Pac-12 calls. I mean, to me, they they absolutely had a golden horseshoe, and that doesn't happen to just everybody, but they kept the good thing rolling, and maybe akin to we sticking around can do that. Steve Smiley had a nice year at UNC. Uh, he did a great job, and, and when Linder was first hired, I thought, man, I hope Steve Smiley's coming with him. And he wasn't because they saw the value in him. And I love that you say that with Ken DeWeese. Ken is very smart, and you also mentioned that Linder – is a film hound. He makes sure the guys under him are film hounds too. That's what they do in the hotels the night before games. And they're even thinking ahead. I was talking to Sundance Wicks. We were texting one night. He was already prepping for Boise State, and they had two games prior before the Boise State game. 
but they are on it, man. They are on it. They're smart. This the staff is loaded with IQ. The players, I think, have pretty good IQs themselves. And a lot of their bigger wins this year, what was one of the first things Linder said afterwards, Ken had a great scout yep. tonight. Yep. So, and that's the great thing about Linder, which he said he learned from uh, Rice at Boise State, is hire good assistants and let them do their job. Yeah. And you worry about the big picture, and that's kind of what he does. I mean, yep. Linder probably scouted 90% of the portal, which is 1,000-plus guys, and these guys – you know, handle their business. They handle, you know, Vandiver handles these big guys, these talented guys like EK and, and Wicks is the energy guy. Mm-hmm. And he's probably the good cop in practice. Definitely. If he could go to practice, he's the good cop. Linder's the bad cop. And, <laughs> yeah. and Deweese is, you know, for some of these bigger games coming up with brilliant scouting reports, especially defensively. So, yeah. you know, two things can be true at the same time. And I think this is the case here. Linder could love Laramie, and I think he does love Laramie. I do, too. He's a front-range guy. Uh, at the pro day, I said, are you going to go to the Final Four? Because most coaches do. It's their convention. He said, no, I don't want to go to that. I'm, I'll be fishing. He loves <laughs> Wyoming. He loves Laramie. He went to school at, in Gunnison, which yep. is 30 below, not five <laughs> below. Uh, so that can be true. He loves Laramie. He loves the program he's built. But he – can also want to aspire to be a coach at a blue blood like Kentucky or UCLA or the coach of the uh, Denver Nuggets. I could see it too. I mean, you can have two things can be true. You can love where you are and also have aspire for other things too. Well, and I know for a fact this team was really hot on a point guard out of Cincinnati. So that also shows me, which Mike Saunders is his name, and he ended up going to Utah. Uh, but that shows me that they had plan A, plan B, probably plan C, D, E, F, G. I mean, he's he's going after dudes. And, and I know Linder's spoke in the past that Wyoming's not a destination for transfers. He's mentioned that a couple of times. Obviously, that's not the case anymore. Maybe yeah. he thought it was at the beginning, but it's not the case anymore. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to UCLA's campus, but it is. <laughs> I mean, the only way... You can afford to live there basically as if you're the the athletic director or the head coach <laughs> or like one of these players in a dorm room. So these guys are coming from one of the most beautiful places on earth to Laramie. Yeah. Why? Because they want to play for Jeff Linder. They saw what happened with this Wyoming team last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, UCLA and USC, despite their great tradition, there's a billion things going on in L.A. They are down on the totem pole now with two NFL teams there with, uh, you know, two soccer teams there now. They're I mean, too busy bitching about the Lakers still. Yeah. The Lakers are still number one, despite <laughs> being a train wreck. And so, the Dodgers have the highest payroll in baseball. I'm sure they're excited to play in front of an entire state. Yeah. And you know, I don't, this is a topic probably for another day, but you know, Wyoming's got to do something about NIL Yeah, and it's a tricky thing. But I'm sure these guys are thinking, you know, EK has a T-shirt. I didn't. No one in LA really knows who I am, except <laughs> hardcore basketball fans. So yeah, it's a good point. It's a great opportunity for them to be, you know, stars in the Mountain West. Hey, and you know, I know we're the transfer portal's so new, and I know we're all kind of we have our strong feelings about it. I mean, everybody does, but we're also seeing it on the football field. You know, we've spoken to, both to Jacory Hawkins. He came from Ole Miss. He's from Montgomery, Alabama. That dude had offers from Penn State, South Carolina, Auburn. He went to Ole Miss, and now he's in Laramie, Wyoming, and he's embracing it. And the day I talked to him, the wind was blowing 75 miles an hour outside. It was miserable, freezing cold, even for a native. And he's like, hey, man, there's no distractions here. I love it. I love that coach is old school. I liked Lane Kiffin. He was fun. He was new, energetic, all that stuff. But... I love Craig Bowles. Like, hey, let's win. This is what it's going to take to win. He's old-fashioned. Let's do it. You, you snag him. You, you snag Cole DeMarzo out of Michigan State. Those guys are going to come to Wyoming. And Jacory gave me one of the greatest quotes of all. He said, I am so blessed to be here. He's like, and he's obviously exaggerating, but not by much. There's 10,000 people in the transfer portal. And I found a place that I want to be at and a place that appreciates me. That's so true. You're going to be able to land those dudes. Yeah, I think uh, hopefully Craig Bull has realized now that the door swings both ways yes. in the portal, and 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 there was reason to be, you know, sky is falling there for a while. I mean, yeah. 
after the Potato Bowl, a lot of really high-end Mountain West players left. I mean, look at where they ended up. Yeah. The two corners are at Power 5 programs. Even Jalen Pates at Northwestern. Yeah, and when he said, I graduated in, in two and a half years and I want to go to law school, I was thinking, because I did a sto- story on Jackson Marcotte last year, yeah. who's in law school at Wyoming. Like, why not just, because he hasn't done anything at Wyoming yet. Why right. not just go to Wyoming Law School? But he ends up at Northwestern Law School. Yeah. I mean, I, I know some talented people from Wyoming Law School who would say, oh, okay. Yeah. That makes some sense. <laughs> uh-huh. Especially if you want to practice in Chicago. Oh, and it makes some football sense, too. They're in the Big Ten. So I think that's a credit to Craig's developmental program, quote-unquote, that a lot of these guys went to Power Five. But at the same time, you have to replace them. And, you know, I don't think the sky is falling anymore now that you have these new guys in. And, I, you know, I've talked to Aboje. I've talked to Solomon Bird. I've talked to Easton Gibbs. A lot of these older guys said, yeah, we were really bummed in December to lose a lot of good dudes. But right now the chemistry is better. Yeah. And everyone that's here right now is worried about their competition battle and having fun. And yeah, there's a vibe of everyone's in this together and it's wide open. And that doesn't mean some guy's going to not going to is won't win a job and be a star and transfer and be, say, I want to be like Xavier Valade and go to the pac 12 when I'm a senior I mean, that's going to happen, but there's also going to be, I think, better chemistry in 2022. So that's what's so frustrating, right, you know, about the Craig Bowl era. The hardest part for any coach at Wyoming was recruiting. This guy's obviously got that pretty down. I mean, there's so many guys in the NFL. There's so many good players that now play at Power 5 teams. There's so many good teams still on, or players on this roster still. That's the hardest part about recruiting to Wyoming. Is recruiting to Wyoming. <laughs> He's got that nailed, but the championships haven't followed. And I think that's what's driving fans completely insane. I agree. Talent is not the problem, even no. next year. No. Despite losing all these guys, talent is not the problem at Wyoming. The, I think the problem is creativity. Yes. And I think everyone knows, you know, what I'm talking about. And yep. uh, you know, defensively, despite having several coordinators, it's been consistent. Unfortunately for Wyoming, that's since that 16 season when they had Josh Allen and the defense was awful. Awful. Yeah. So I think they're going to have a good defense next year. Um, Which is crazy to say. They only have a few returners. You worry about – I worry about the depth on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. But I don't worry about who they're trying out to be the, the two deep. No. Uh, even though they lost three defensive ends and, and, and Garrett Crawl to, to graduation – I don't know if Craig's just being optimistic for a change or what, but he's excited about the one area that I'm concerned about, which <laughs> exactly. is defensive end. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I think linebacker, they're in good shape, even though they're losing maybe the best linebacker in the country. Mm-hmm. And obviously these cornerbacks from, you know, Ole Miss and Wisconsin and Cam Stone, it's their time now. Yeah. So they're excited about that. Safety is the other position that's a little worrisome with these injuries. But, but yeah, with T.J. Urban going down like that, and Isaac White really played well at the end of last year, and I know they were excited about him. But defensively, they're going to be good. These young offensive linemen are going to be good. Their running backs are even really better good. than last year. I agree. No offense to X. Yeah, I agree, But it's though. time for these new guys. Yeah. And the question is the passing game, as usual. Yeah. And the thing that I bug Craig Bull about, been bugging him about for three years, is the tight end spot, which is another strength he keeps bringing up. And what better way to get an offensive attack, passing attack going than throwing to a big, fast guy who's only eight yards in front of you, who you have to believe is better than the linebacker who's covering him. It is so frustrating. That, that part really frustrates me. But outside of the quarterback battle, which I know is what most people have their eyes on, What's a position battle that you're most excited about and you're keeping most of an eye on right now? Well, I think wide receiver is yeah. interesting. Uh, obviously, Isaiah Nayor was uh, a freak. Yeah. And you can't blame Isaiah for two reasons. One, he was fantastic. And two, what if he was fantastic more often? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So that's a big hole. You know, Joshua Cobbs seems like a great kid. He has a great head on his shoulders. He's next in line. 
but I, I know, as you know, and I have mentioned, he, his success last year, which was kind of his break in year was guys were focused on Isaiah Nayor. So now he's going to be the focus, right? That's a big step. Uh, you know, you hear names like Tyrese Grant and, and obviously Jalen Sargent was a guy that Bull was boasting about. And Alex Brown, Alex Brown needs to do something too. Now we need to see it. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's good that these guys are new and, and the, the two transfer quarterbacks are new. So they have a chance to start on the same level and get on the same page at the same time. And it's not like, you know, Tom Brady breaking in a rookie, like, Oh, I don't want to deal with this guy. These guys are all at the same level right now, developing together. And that's got to motivate them this off season to get out there every day together and pass the ball together. Yep. Uh, that quarterback battle, in my opinion, uh, it's Andrew Peasley and it's Hank Gibbs. And then it's everybody else right now. And, you have to believe Peasley has a lead in that, right? Absolutely, because he's done it at the Mountain West level, not full time. Eighteen um, games, I believe. But there were circumstances last year where if he could have been Utah State's quarterback and led them to a Mountain West championship. I believe that. You know, I watched the Air Force game. He was fantastic in that game. Mm-hmm. Now obviously Gary Anderson brought Logan Bonner with him. from Arkansas State. That's his guy. Mm-hmm. And Logan Bonner set passing records last year. But Peasley still State. beat him for the for the starting job Absolutely. in the opener. So if I'm a Wyoming fan, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. I'm not saying you won the trade. I mean, Levi Williams won two bowl games at Wyoming and was has the physical gifts that Wyoming typically looks for at that position, which Evan Svoboda mm-hmm. also has. Right. But Peasley's more polished. I think he's more accurate, and I think he's faster. And Logan and uh, Levi obviously was a great runner. But he's more of a power runner. And that's what I worry about with Hank Gibbs is in talking to Polisek and talking to Coach Bull about it. Can that guy evade pressure and then turn it up? Can he turn it up? He's a big dude. He's six five. He's a really big guy, and he says he can run. He says he's gotten faster, but. Polisek also said, don't get it twisted. He is an absolute pocket passer. Right. Can this team afford to have a pocket passer? Especially if your wide receivers aren't getting separation, which we don't know. We don't – maybe they will. Uh, you know, like you're talking about, this whole thing is we just need to see it. We And guys need to have their opportunity. And a guy I point to a lot is Jordan Bertinale. He's a walk-on from Casper. And next thing you know, he's in the lineup during COVID hell – and we're like, I remember in Nevada scrambling for my roster going, who the hell is that guy? Oh, he's a walk-on from Casper. Oh, brother. Here we go. He's great. He's a great player. They just need a chance. Yeah, I think Peasley's more of a dual threat. Yes. Um, I, I think it's Peasley's job this year. I mean, you've talked to him. He has, you know, he has an it quality to him. He does. Um, what you would call a swagger, I guess. And um you know, I'm impressed with him, his demeanor. Now, we're not watching practice, and Craig's alluded to disappointment with the passing game, of course, <laughs> during spring. Um, but they're inside, and, you know, they're frustrated that they're not outside with the wind. And, yeah. you know, I, I just I think it's a breath of fresh air. Now, if Levi would have came back, obviously he would have more experience. He would have been the guy. He would have been the leader. So you're starting over from that aspect. But I just think style of play, this guy could give you more of that creativity that everyone's complaining about. And that's what maybe I think a little bit of the concern is. They're not – I believe Craig when he says they're not going to release a depth chart. And and why would you, really? And maybe he tells them specifically and doesn't tell us. But he even alluded to it, and so did Polisek, that you like to have your starting quarterback named going into the offseason season for stuff like you're talking about, going out and running routes and getting to know these guys and being that team leader and taking that leadership quality because the Cowboys play in zero week this year. Yeah, They're going to have a quick, quick camp turnaround, the whole shebang. So I would be willing to bet they're going to know who the starting quarterback is going into offseason, but we're not. Yeah, I don't know why any coach would put out a depth chart before May 1st now. Yeah. Because May 1st is the deadline – where you can transfer and still play next year. Yeah. After May 1st, you can transfer, but you're sitting out. So I don't know why you would put out a depth chart and have some guy be like, oh, I'm third, I'm mad, I'm leaving. (laughs) Leave it open. Say, this is a competition, fellas, and it's going until August. It is. And beyond. And that's the way good football teams operate. And I know you came in late last year. I don't even think you were here for camp at all, were you? Maybe a week of it? Midway through camp. Midway through. 
all the all the positions were spoken for last year right. for the most part. Easton Gibbs and Chuck Hicks was the battle, and everyone knew Gibbs was the winner there. And yeah. what happened? Yeah, Chuck hit the dusty trail. Yeah, but also another Power Five guy heads right to the Absolutely. SEC in Missouri. Um, good problem to have once again. But this year the storylines are just they're abundant. They're almost overwhelming because. I, if you're like me, you go into days like today where you're going to Laramie and you go, who do I want to talk to today? You have so much access and there's nothing nothing established except for what? Easton Gibbs is your middle linebacker. Um, Aboje probably is your left guard. Crumb's probably your right tackle. Latrell Bible's probably your center. You got Cole Godbout and Bartnoli inside. And then Trayton Welch and Titus Swinton. Yeah, and based on – I haven't talked to Cam Stone yet, but based on – you know, your story and what Bull was saying about him, he seems to be the guy. a lockdown corner yeah. for one of the spots. Right. But a lot of that can change. So last year it was all settled, and most of the positions were even too deep settled. So, and I think a lot of people, you and I put breaking in front of it and got some crap for it for whatever reason. To us, from what we heard, that was a battle at quarterback last year. So when Sean Chambers was named the starter, you and I both came out and said it was breaking news. I thought it was. Absolutely. And we got a little crap for that. I don't know if you even saw that, but we got some I don't know why it would be assumed that a guy with three season-ending knee injuries <laughs> or leg injuries is going to bingo beat a guy who's you know, had at that point played, I mean, the bowl game yeah. was his beginning and peak in terms of throwing the ball. Right. But... Still, he looked the part physically, yeah. and he had that bowl game. Yeah. So you figure, oh, he's just going to get better and better. So obviously we were <laughs> right because it turned out that they had two starters. Yes. And unfortunately, in this case, when you have two starters, you didn't have one really good one. No. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't. And, and I'm uh, not saying – if I think if Sean would have stayed healthy his whole career, or if Levi maybe, you know, continued on a a, a a different path, or maybe didn't have an offensive coordinator change, I don't know what. I think both those guys could have been good starters at Wyoming. I agree, and I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm just saying for whatever reason that dynamic between them two fighting it out, and from the team loved both of them, it just didn't work out in that instance that competition. Yeah, and you know maybe we're a little hard on it too because they've gone through a couple of coordinators and they went through COVID was a nightmare, total nightmare. But Tim Polisek, you know, he's learning about himself as an OC too. He was an offensive line coach the last four years at Iowa, so in talking to him this year, you know, yeah, he he had to look himself in the mirror too, and uh, you know, he said just some inconsistencies really hurt him, and we know that. <laughs> we know that, and you, you know, speaking of second guessing guys, like if Linder should have put in Noah Reynolds for a little bit. You know, and I don't think Craig has admitted to this. I know you asked him about it once, but should you have gone with Levi much earlier? I mean, Air Force was a disaster last year. Should you have gone with him? And Sean just couldn't quit turning the ball over. And I don't think he's going to admit it, but he should have. Not starting Levi Williams for the New Mexico game is criminal, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, it was clear to everyone who follows the program that whether Chambers was benched full-time or just take a seat and cool down like mm-hmm. Maldo should have for five minutes at, at Indiana, like the guy was turning the ball over at such a rate, it was embarrassing. Well, and what about the quick hook he got against Fresno State? Right. For ha- the handoff on the end around to a guy who doesn't take handoffs, they fumble it, Levi, you're out. I mean, I'm, I don't think it's a stretch to say that if Levi Williams starts against New Mexico, if he gets every rep that week, they find a way to score 20 points and beat New Mexico, okay? <laughs> and then you go to San Jose State, and you beat them because it's Levi's second game. He's more comfortable. Nayor, yeah. we saw what they did against San Jose State that week anyway. Mm-hmm. I think they win that game. Yeah. And then you're talk, you're, the narrative is different. Yeah. I mean, if you win nine or ten games yeah. with Levi Williams and everyone's feeling good, does he leave? And you're probably not crapping the bed against Hawaii like that either. No. Which was just obviously if you're a still give up. hunt for the title. Yeah. No, you show up big time. And yeah. So I think it was a mistake. Yeah. I think the New Mexico game has to be the low point for Bowl, I would think. You have to 
say that's never happening again. I don't care how much I respect Rocky Long. Do you remember what this he said? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Do you remember what he said after that game too? We knew our defense was going to have to hold them to seven points or less. Yeah. You remember the game they were coming off before? I think they had 30 yards of total offense the week before. Yeah, I think CSU just throttled shoved them. it down their throat. In Albuquerque, throttled with a them. coach who was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we touted it on this show all week that this is the get well game. And you don't like to talk like that when it comes to Wyoming football because in our experience, you just never know. But, I mean, New Mexico was that bad. So we're going to be talking about that game forever, unfortunately, because it was that bad. And maybe the horrible. thinking was it's a get well game and Sean's going to get his confidence back. And I would bet that's what they were thinking. But he didn't get his confidence back. I think he fumbled on the first play of the game, yeah. if I remember correctly. I mean, just, I mean, what was it, 10 turnovers in four games? I mean, you just can't have it. It wasn't just the interceptions, it was the fumbles. Yeah. And. Again, if he never got hurt, he's bowling people over on right, runs, and right. he's the Tim Tebow of the Mountain West as far as that style of play. But And he was not that guy this he year. He could not do that anymore, no. and he didn't have the accuracy. No. And maybe it was hard for him to come to terms with that because he didn't look like the guy that gutted Missouri. He didn't look like the guy who ran right through Missouri's defense, stiff-armed uh, a linebacker, and was off to the races for 75 yards. I'd... I love Sean Chambers as a human being, and I think he is a talented ball player, but he's not that guy that could have stiff-armed his way to a 75-yard touchdown against an SEC team, let alone New Mexico. What's crazy is he came up in the clutch against Montana State, Yeah, and he won a shootout at Northern Illinois that proved to be a really good team, a solid yeah. team. Yeah. The defense didn't show up that day. <laughs> Sean Chambers and company won that game. So you would think going into Mountain West play, like, okay, we're 4-0. Sean's the man. Isaiah Noyor's the guy. We have the running game still. And then you just remember the first half of that game, two touchdowns in like two minutes. It's like, okay. They had five yards of total offense before those two touchdowns. Going into halftime of that, it's like, okay, Wyoming's got this game. They were dominated in the first half. Mm -hmm. Chambers is back. He's awake. What happened from halftime of that game to his benching? It's inexplicable. I mean, they needed a sports psychologist or something. And sure. Hopefully you can get it back at Montana State. Yeah, hope so. And I hope him well. I really do. Yeah. Same with Levi. I, I like Levi, too. I, I'm really Good happy for those guys. Yeah. But like you mentioned before, first and foremost, we're going to wrap this thing up. But F the Zoom calls. We missed out on – I missed out on two years of recruiting classes. You missed out on the one-year recruiting classes. It's been rough, and I know it sounds selfish and, oh, get over it, but you're not getting the stories. You're not hearing what you should be hearing because we can't do anything about it. And now <laughs> hopefully that's a thing of the past because this has been great getting to know these guys again. It's a really good group of dudes, and it always is, man. He, he – Craig Bull, you can never you can never blame him for getting I mean, he's got some solid stand up dudes. They're a lot of fun to talk to and good kids and I'm excited. I'm really and I talked about it last week how excited I am for all this new blood and it's not just the storylines. It's I'm excited to see some new guys out there and go, Hey, there's there's Jacory, you know, Jacory Hawkins out there on the on the island. See what see what he can do. We don't know what he can do until until we see it. I think this should be an exciting time for Wyoming football fans because it's all new. Yeah. And it's a fresh start. And the chemistry, I believe, is going to be much better. I do too. And, you know, with the Zooms, we don't know what went wrong chemistry-wise. But they had all these super seniors and seniors. And it was like they had the most experienced offensive line I can remember at Wyoming. And same on the defensive line. And it just didn't click. Yeah. And I don't know if that's COVID separation or what that was. But these guys appeared to be great leaders, and they just didn't have anyone following them. Yeah. So you should be excited for the newness, and then if it does go sour, November will be uh, basketball time. <laughs> now you have something to look forward to if it doesn't go right. Uh, guys, make sure to go check out some of Ryan's work at uh, the Casper Star Tribune. You can also follow him on Twitter at by underscore Ryan Thorburn. Ryan, thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks, Cody. I appreciate it. Anytime you want to come in, let's do it. Yeah, it was fun. Appreciate All right, it. All right, buddy. All right, guys, uh, we'll be at you next week. Uh, maybe more basketball talk. Uh, I assume Jeff Linder is going to meet with the media sometime this week to talk about these three new signings. So we'll talk about that. We're getting into the heart of spring football and the game, of course, April 30th inside War Memorial Stadium at 2 p.m. 
unless there's gale force winds, maybe we'll all be watching an indoor practice facility. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But uh, the weather has not been kind to the Detroit Bulls, Wyoming Cowboys this spring so far. We'll see you next week. <laughs>